This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. As promised last week, we're going to talk in our second segment today with Tom Moon of NPR about his new book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. I'd like to note that it's our great pleasure every week to produce this program for airing on KDVS, one of the best stations, I would say, in the United States as regards to playing various forms of music. We're going to, at some point, either this week or next, talk to some of our DJs here on KDVS about what they think are the 1,000 recordings to hear before you die, or at least we'll give everybody one one pick apiece. I'm quite certain that will be a most eclectic and curious and interesting collection. And we'll probably also post some of those choices by our KDVS DJs on our website, radioparallax.com. And speaking of that, we'd like to thank all of you who responded to our query last week about uh, where you're hearing us from. We would ask you again this week to please send us a note to info at radioparallax.com. We're trying to get an idea who is listening. Oh, and if you sent us a letter last week, you don't have to do it again. We would like to cite randomly among the choices uh, Tyler, who responded (laughs) by... uh, by noting that the names have been changed to protect the innocent, came from Dragnet. And I'm always impressed by, by the, the email that we received from you, dear listener. Uh, Tyler especially impressed me with what may be a bit of uh, psychic perceptions. Being that he noted in his personal note that anyone who's familiar with the works of Carlos Gardel is basically all right. And that is, I think, psychically, a name which is going to resurface in our second segment today. We also appreciate the fact that we do not expect any listener out there to buy the complete package and accept everything we say. You should not accept everything we say or anything anyone says. This might be a good point to to note that uh, the opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily represent those of KDVS, UC Davis, or the regions of the university. We also received a note, I think appropriately, I think, from our general manager reminding us that it's not our place to tell you, dear listener, who to vote for in November. We think that, like the Fox News motto, we should present the facts and let you decide. If only Fox News actually did that. But no, we do appreciate uh, the give and take that takes place between um, those of you who write us and, and the program. When I'm advised that I am wrong about the efficacy of the death penalty, I say, well, okay. Difference of opinion is what makes a horse race. I will only add that I am 100% positive that those who receive capital punishment commit no further murders. Anyway, please tell us where you're listening to this program from and add any personal notes you like. We enjoy hearing from you. We're going to do this for four consecutive weeks, add up the numbers, and see what we can determine about the listenership. Maybe some of our friends over at Capital Public Radio can help help us determine what sort of multiplier to to apply to our sampling. Oh, and if you have any personal knowledge about uh, how to apply that multiplier, by all means, send it to us. On this date in history, and our date to date is September the 18th, 
In the year 1850, the U.S. Congress passed the Fugitive Slave Act, which mandated the return of runaway slaves regardless of where in the Union they were captured. Not one of Congress's finer moments. And by the way, we'd like to thank the listener who informed us of the fact that when John McCain appeared on The View, a program which we do not monitor on a daily basis or yearly basis, then McCain said he was against Roe v. Wade. It was a mistake, and he was going to appoint judges who were strict, strict constitutionalists, which apparently prompted Whoopi Goldberg to pipe up and say, well, now how far are you going to take that? Because under the Constitution, I'd be a slave. On this date in 1932, imprisoned Indian nationalist leader Mahatma Gandhi began a hunger strike in order to unite the Hindu community in its opposition to British rule. And on September 18th in 1941, U.S. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt asked the Congress for almost $6 million for Lend-Lease, his program to provide war material to nations fighting the Axis powers. On the same day, U.S. Navy ships for the first time began escorting an eastbound transatlantic convoy. FDR's efforts to this point had been assiduously opposed by the Republican-led Senate, who insisted that uh, favoring Great Britain in the struggle in Europe was just too biased. If we were going to help Britain, we needed to help Germany as well. That doesn't look too smart in retrospect now, does it? Our quote of the day comes from America's first president, George Washington, who said, To contract new debts is not the way to pay old ones. A lesson that appears to be lost on both, <laughs> both Wall Street and the California State Legislature. We certainly have to address that issue of what's going on in, in uh, New York City, but we may not have time today, but we'll see what we can do. Our quip of the day comes from America's 43rd president, George Walker Bush, who said last July at his final G8 summit, Goodbye from the world's biggest polluter. And reportedly upon making that closing remark, President Bush pumped his fist into the air and grinned widely at what was, I, I guess, his own little joke. Our stat of the day, the number of out-of-wedlock births in the U.S. jumped by more than a percentage point last year. That's for the third year in a row. It's now 38.5%, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. If the current trend continues, in 12 years, half of all U.S. babies will be born to single mothers. We only hope that uh, after the November election that it will not be the vice president-elect's daughter who will be adding to that list. All right, let's do the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to the Week magazine, it was a good week last week for Second Amendment zealots when it was revealed that residents of a North Dallas suburb are swamping their local 911 system with reports of gunfire thanks to a Texas law that allows dove hunting within the city limits. Apparently, folks in the gun-friendly Lone Star State didn't want expanding suburban communities to reduce hunting grounds. But it's noted that the new arrivals are finding all of the gunfire somewhat alarming. Said resident Lori Castoldi, I can't believe it's okay for people to do that in a neighborhood. I'm afraid for my kids.
It was, on the other hand, a bad week for roaming after a Portland, Oregon family was hit with a $20,000 mobile phone bill. Reportedly, the Terry family's son had used the service to send 21 emails during his vacation in Canada, not realizing that international rates would apply. I'm a little puzzled by this. You mean to tell me you send an email internationally and it costs you a cool $1,000? Man, we got to find out what service they're using. And in this time of continuing economic woes, it was an ugly week last week for California's 99 cents only retail chain. It turns out they're planning to raise prices above 99 cents for the first time in its 26 year history. According to the LA Times, the store was one of the few dollar stores left where everything was still 99 cents or less. We have two more items to thank the week for from the only in America file, this item. A homeowners association has ordered a Florida man whose wife and son were killed when a plane crashed into their house to tear down his rebuilt house. Joe Woodward had nearly completed the rebuilding, but the homeowners group was angry that the shingles and floor plan don't exactly match his neighbors. Woodward, for his part, said the minor design changes were intentional. The room my wife and I had together... I don't want to relive every day by day over again, said Woodward, who's hoping the association will relent. All right, I'm just going to do one minute, I think, on these financial meltdown. I was listening to This American Life with Ira Glass and was talking about how the SEC, the people that are supposed to be regulating uh, this stuff most directly, have uh, been absent without, uh, without leave uh, as, uh, as the whatever regulating is being done is being left up to the Treasury Secretary and the head of the Federal Reserve. We'd like to refer you to the excellent discussion that Ira Glass put out regarding things like uh, naked short selling, which they then explained how that worked. And uh, if I try to explain it to you, I don't think you'll believe it because I'm not sure I still believe it. But apparently it's been a quasi-accepted practice on Wall Street to sell stocks which you have not yet purchased. For me, the part I love about this so much is that after these uh, Wall Street wheelers and dealers and high flyers have put together these shady and questionable dealings, which then fell flat, then turn around and argue, well, you know, it's the government that, you know, they induced us to do all this. So obviously the last thing we need is any more regulation. I don't know. Sometimes the government has too many rules. Sometimes the government has unfair rules. But uh, what you want are fair and judiciously applied rules, not no rules. Although I must say, my libertarian sentiments in this regard are somewhat tempered by the fact that I did give AIG a fairly hefty sum last spring, looking forward to retirement one day, and I don't want to see that evaporate. But I must say, when I trusted them with some money uh, a few months back, I had no idea they were so hip-deep in all of this uh, financial wheeling and dealing related to the housing bubble. I'm sure you'd agree, dear listener, that, you know, financial institutions should not be involved in investing in bubbles in general. I do want to note uh, somewhere in this segment, and I guess this would be the time to do it, that I attended uh, this week the Harlan II Symposium on Biodiversity in Agriculture held here at UC Davis. This is a very important uh, topic, which unfortunately is completely misunderstood by the public. We are going to strive mightily in the weeks to come to see if we can't correct that deficiency in our own small way. This will follow up on our discussion we had about the assassination of Nikolai Vavilov with author Peter Pringle uh, a few months back. 
A keynote speaker, Dr. Gary Nabum of the University of Arizona, uh, cited that book at the end of his talk. And uh, we're keen to bring you some of his words, along with those of Dr. Paul Gepps here at UC Davis, uh, in the weeks to come. Among the many interesting discussions uh, during that symposium was Dr. Nabin's talk. He followed in the footsteps of Nikolai Vavilov uh, seven to nine decades later and had some very interesting science to report on account of it. We're also keen to talk about the cover story on New Scientist uh, this week, Who Will End the War on Science, featuring John McCain facing Barack Obama. We certainly hope someone will end uh, the current administration's war on science. We're not sure John McCain's the man to do it. Not when his vice president says we should be teaching creationism along with evolution in schools. Anyway, uh, speaking of the election, let's hear from our good pal Will Durst, America's foremost political comic. Well, thanks, Doug. And today, I just want to say, settle down, people. For crumb's sake, you're going to burst a blood vessel. All because Barack Obama said his opponent's call for change was like putting lipstick on a pig, which made John McCain go crazier than an evangelist in a strip bar. He called the lipstick reference an insult to Sarah Palin. Now, I'm not sure, but I think he just called his own vice presidential pick a pig. Personally, I need more information. I mean, what kind of lipstick? What kind of pig? Not all pork is created equal, you know. Are we talking about Chanel Rouge Noir on a Jambon d'Iberica or Maybelline on a Hormel? Was there a pineapple glaze involved? Cloves stuck on top? Either way, you gotta admit, these guys are strict. I mean, first you can't say anything negative about the Alaska governor or run the risk of being called sexist. And if you think Republicans crying sexist is a little like a hurricane calling a tornado erratic, you're not alone. In addition, nobody is allowed to use certain words that she's already branded as her own, like Alaska, or hockey, mom, moose, and squirrel. Exacerbating the situation is she's being held incommunicado as she crams with some major league tutor for her upcoming debate. And she could stay that way. Rick Davis, McCain's campaign manager, said the press is not going to speak to her until they start showing her a little deference. Deference? Politicians demanding deference now. Whoa! Are we going to have to start addressing her as your ladyship? Will there be kneeling pillows? What a delicate little flower our favorite moose killer is. Or should I say, perishable lipstick applicant. Two legs bad, four legs good. <laughs> For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. Such a pleasure to have Mr. Durst on board. Anyway, you're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett, and after a short break, we'll come back and talk with Tom Moon of NPR about his new book, 1,000 Recordings to Hear Before You Die. 